Hey, good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing this morning? All right. You guys are livelier than the first bunch. The first bunch, they were dead. <laughs> well, it's good to, good to be here. My name is John. Matter of fact, actually, Res Life sent me an email. He said, just let us know finally what is it. Is it John? Is it Johnny? Is it Juan? Is it JV? What is it? Well, it didn't matter because I'm introducing myself. So I am John, Johnny, Juan, JV here with you in person. Good to be here. Got my beautiful wife, Carla, here with me this morning. We have been missionaries from Resurrection Life for 32 years. We left Resurrection Life, and uh, we live in Mexico, and I'm excited to be here. Pastor Dwayne is in Chesterton, Indiana. Him and Jeannie are, are preaching down there. So it's us today. Are you ready? All right, well, hey, uh, one comment, that video with those missionaries on, on the screen there, those are some of the, I know every one of them, they are the finest missionaries in the world, and I commend Resurrection Life Church for uh, just being connected with them and part of what they're doing. That, that just shows so much for this leadership because they are they're some of the finest people, um, and we consider ourselves uh, honored and humbled uh, to be part of such a, a fantastic group. We're also your, your missionaries. And today, uh, today I, I, I want to talk to you about just that. And, and I'll get into it, but, but to, to prefix that just a second. It was in 19, it was May 23rd, 1984, and I found myself in a little Indian village in Mexico called El Frijol. El Frijol means the bean. We were in the bean town, and Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie had taken me. I was 19 years old, three year, or excuse me, three months in Bible school, and uh, walked outside of a little hut, 5.30 in the afternoon, and, uh, and God spoke to me in a voice that I heard and said, John, this is where I want you to begin. So that was it. I was going to be a missionary, and I didn't even know what a missionary was. Well, it's been 32 years since then, and uh, Carl and I have, have never lived back in the States for a long period of time. We've always lived in a country that's not our own. We travel to about 20 countries a year doing what we're going to talk a little bit about today, but uh, I'm just excited about being able to share with you about one of the pillars of this church. This church has four main pillars, and you all just got, got, got done celebrating 50 years since Resurrection Life Church started, and I went through this booklet, and it talks about the four pillars, and, and uh, I was super excited about the invitation to talk about one of the pillars, the pillar of missions. You know, the four pillars that Resurrection Life has, number one is the Word, the Word, the word of God, and, and the Word is between you and Him. Second pillar is worship. And basically, worship is between you and him. The third one is children's, uh, children and, and youth, and that's basically between you and him and your family. But the fourth one's a little different. The fourth one is missions. That's about you and others. His plan for you to reach out to others. And it is my honor this morning, just an, an, an awesome honor to be able to share that with you because that's what we live, that's what we eat, that's what we breathe. And this message in just a little bit is going to get interactive. But beforehand, um, Bernie did a, a little um, uh, uh, 
informative thing. What do you call that in English? Um, presentation. presentation. So we're your missionaries. I get my English-Spanish mixed up sometimes. So <laughs> we're your missionaries. So I want to I wanna share with, with you what's happening real quick this year, what has happened through a couple of our, our churches, our leadership organization, etc. We're going to throw some numbers up there on the screen. This year, not, not lifetime, this year, we have over half a million people in Latin America in values-based roundtable. Let me explain what that means. That means six to eight people come together all over Latin America and, and they talk about values. Values like responsibility, like integrity, like, like, like forgiveness. Values that we don't tell them that they're, that they're Bible-based values. We just tell them that they're values, that they're gonna make their life better. So they get together and we go into countries. We start from the president on down. We got president, Supreme Court people and, 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 and the arts and music and sports and education sector, all these sectors in these round tables and they study values. We don't tell them that these values are really God's character. A value, a true value is really just God's character. But we connect with them and we add value to their life because when people start to live their life according to values, their life gets better. And when their life gets better, their, their heart opens up to somebody that helps, that helps them get their life better. So what we do is, and we go into these countries and we connect with the people that are in these roundtables. This year, this year, to date, we've had 30,065 people receive Christ as Lord and Savior just this year. I'm not talking church people. I'm talking we're in auditoriums. We've got the military. They're all dressed up in their military uniforms, the police, educators, government people. And I watch them come forward and say, if God's like, if that's really God, I want to know him, and they give their life to Christ. So we're excited about that. A couple other things that, that, that we're doing. Our churches in Mexico are going great. We've got a church in Saltillo. We've got a church we planted in Monterey. Uh, most of you know that, Monterey, Mexico. And uh, for the first time, we planted it a year and s- nine months ago. And two, su- three Sundays ago, for the first time, we had over 1,000 people in attendance in that church. So that thing's rolling along, doing well. And in Cuba, Cuba, this church has been so, you have been so key to everything that's, that's happened in Cuba over the years. We together, and I don't, and, and, and the proof's in the pudding, but we together have changed the history of an island of 11 million people. 19, in 1993, if you were part of this church in 1993, if you're part of this church in 1993, you're pretty old anyway, but if you're part of this church in 1993, one Sunday morning, I was on a phone call. I was in my living room in Guadalajara, Mexico, and, uh, and I talked to everybody by phone about what was happening in Cuba. And this congregation back then gave $35,000 to help launch uh, everything that was happening in Cuba. We've got 53 underground Bible schools. We're planting churches all over the island. Last year, we planted 25 new churches. I've got some pictures that Pastor Dwayne said, bring a few pictures, because these are churches in, in, in Cuba. That church there, Hurricane blew the walls off, but we'll get new walls on that one. And uh, got a church there. That church there, the guy, the guy in the striped shirt, the, well, there's two guys in striped shirt, but the guy on that side, on the left-hand side, striped shirt, his name is Diomnis. Diomnis and his wife live in, in the mountainous area of Mexico. They live in a, in a hut that is in rice 
in, in the rice fields and the water runs underneath their hut. They are the most incredible people. He pastors 12 churches on the west side of that island. And you all are part of their organization, part of what they do. Got some other pictures of, of Cuba. We got the, the kids. They were helping the kids in Cuba. We got another church. A couple more pictures up there. These here, let me tell you who these people are. We support, when I say we support, you help support every month a Bible training school where we train couples pastor, as pastors and they study for a year and they go out and they plant churches in towns that there is no church. And right there, they're getting ready to graduate. They're getting ready to start their journey. Look at their happy, happy, happy. And you and I are part of what's happening there. So we're helping build churches, helping repair churches, and uh, you and I are part of that. So anyways, that's my report of what you're doing in Latin America, and just thank you for being part of that. Let's start out by saying that Jesus was a missionary. Jesus was sent by his Father to the earth with a mission. And Jesus fulfilled that mission, but then he left and he passed a task onto his followers. His followers are known as the church. The church is me and the church is you. And when Jesus left, he passed us on a task. And that task was basically this. Now go into all the world, go everywhere, and tell people that there is salvation in me. So that was the task that Jesus gave to his followers, the church. And that's you and me. That's the task. Now, something has happened. Because we're the church and we've been given the task, but yet it seems to me that the church in general, and I'm sure that this church is included, it seems to me that because we live in such a wicked, crazy, never in the history of planet Earth has there been such a time as these times. Terror, danger, fear, hatred. And it seems to me that our posture is becoming backstep, isolate ourselves, live our life, and hopefully none of that bad stuff happens to me or my loved ones. But there's a problem with that, friends. And the problem is this. Jesus said, go into all the world and tell everybody, every single person, that there is salvation in me. Go into all the world. In other words, Jesus wants us to be on offense, not on defense. In other words, if this, was a, if this was a ball game, Jesus gave us the ball and said, here's the ball, now I want you to do something with it. So the question today is, okay, what are we gonna do with that? What are we gonna do with that? And I'm here this morning, hopefully just to, to make you a little uncomfortable, and, and, and what I wanna talk to you about is one of the main pillars of this church, but it is the pillar of God. Everything else is great, not downplaying anything else, but missions, love the world, care for the world, care for others, give your life for others. That is being on task, that is being on mission. 
This is what Jesus said in, in, in John 10, 21. Again, Jesus said, we'll put it up on the screen. Uh, John 10, 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, 15. And he said to them, go into all the world and preach. Preach doesn't mean preach like from a pulpit. A lot of times we think, oh, that says go preach. Well, I'm not a preacher. It's not talking about preach as a pulpit and a Bible. It's declare. Go into all the world and declare the good news. That's the task. That's the task that you and I have. So here's the question. What are we going to do with that? My question for you today, every single person on the main floor, every single person in the balcony, you might be in the furthest back. My question to you today is, so what are we going to do with that? What are we going to do with the task that Jesus gave us? So, so I want to do something together for the rest of this message. I, I want to talk to you about the church. I don't know how you feel about the church, but I, I take pride in being part of the church. I love the church. I know there are people like to trash out the church and, and well, the church has got problems in the church. There's sin in the church. We are the church. We are the church. I'm the first one. I'm, I, I, I raise my hand and say, yup, they're sending the church because I'm there. But there's, there's not a plan B. You trash out the church. Okay, give me another plan. Jesus tasked the church, you and me, with that task of you got the ball now, go into all the world and share Jesus with everyone. That's on you and that's on me. So I want to talk to you about four questions, four probing questions, but this is going to be interactive from now on. Going to be interactive. I want you to do something. I want, I want you to, 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 to get with me, and we're going we're, we're gonna, to we're gonna interact a little bit in this, in this message. So this is what I want you to do. Every time I ask the question, why, I want you to say, because we're the church. Can you do that? <laughs> okay, okay we'll, we'll, do a, we'll do a dry run and we'll see if we can make this happen. Every time I say why, and when I say why and, I, and, I, and then I'm, I'm silent for a second, that's your cue to jump in and say, because we are the church, okay? Okay, why? That's good. You're a little out of sync, but there's some faster ones, some slower ones. We'll, we'll get it together. But that was pretty good. But this is, but this is the way I want this to go. You ever see somebody that's fired up and passionate and, 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 and the veins are, are popping out of their neck? You ever see that? See, that's the way I think the church should live. That's the way I think you and I should be. See, see we take this posture of defense. Well, we're trying to protect the church. Well, oh, look at they're trashing the church. We need to be on offense. We are the church. We're the church. The great commission was given to us. Given to you and given to me. 
And I don't know the, the way you feel about that, but hey, church is not come on Sunday morning. Church isn't let's do Bible study. Church, I mean, we can all do that. Church is, we are the church, and we've been given a task. So why? <laughs> you guys are going to be a tough crowd, but that's all right. Here we go, Romans. One day Paul was writing to the, to the church in Rome. And I kind of like the way he put it. He kind of lumped everything together, and Paul said this, Romans 10, 14, 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching or declaring to them? And how can anybody declare unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. So let's think about that a second. First it talks about the people that don't know. Then it talks about the one that goes. Then it talks about the one that, that, that sends them. Then it talks about what God thinks about the goer and the sender. And God thinks they're beautiful. So that's kind of a cool verse. I like that verse. How can anyone preach unless they're sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. That there is a picture of the church. That's a picture of the church. You've got the goer. You've got the, the person who doesn't know. You've got the person that go, goes. You've got the person that sends them. And God says, those goers and those senders, they're just beautiful to me. I don't know about you, but I I just love the idea of God looking down on me thinking, Juan, you beautiful. Cindy, you beautiful. Because you're part, because I'm part of his plan. So here we go, I'm going to ask you four questions, four probing questions that hopefully make you and I uncomfortable just enough to cause us to make a step and think about one of the pillars of this church and God's pillar for, in his plan for the world is this, missions, and I need to do something about it. Number one, why should a person set aside his or her own personal aspirations to live a life to serve others, to help others, and to live a life for others? Why? Because we are the church. Why would somebody that has all of this in front of them say, you know what? No, I choose to serve, to bless, and to help others. I'm not going for, for mine. See, all day, all the time, through media, through television, through everything tells us, go for, go for the gold. You go for your thing. You're the most important thing in the world. And God says, okay, you're part of my family? Fantastic. Now you're gonna set your life aside and you're gonna live on task for me. Why? Because we are the church. Because if we don't do it, listen very carefully, if we don't do it, nobody else will. There is nobody else on planet Earth that's thinking like this. No one. There is nobody that sits up at night thinking that's not part of the church, thinking, how can I live for others, bless others, help others? How can I, how can I change the eternal destiny of people's lives? Nobody. 
So, so I ask the question again, why, why should a person set aside his or, own personal, his or her own personal aspirations to, to live a life to serve others, to help others, and to live a life for others? Why? Because we are the church. And if we don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. It's on us. There's not a plan B, friend. There's not a plan B. I got a picture of, of a family I'm going to put up here on, 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 on the screen. That, this is a, a friend of mine. His name is Alvaro. Alvaro and his wife, and that's their boy in the back, and then their three beautiful kids there. Let me tell you about Alvaro. Alvaro lives in Venezuela. Venezuela, if you didn't know it, is the new Cuba. Venezuela has imploded as a country. Right now, because of devaluation, a month's salary for a Venezuelan is $11. Lots of friends that are Venezuelan that were millionaires are paupers now. You can have all the money in the world, or if all of a sudden the money's not worth anything, you don't have anything. And there's millions and millions, going on three million Venezuelans that have left that country. There's war, there's, 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 there's fighting between the government and, 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 and the citizens trying to rise up and change things. Like I said, almost three million people have left the country. If they can get to American soil, they ask for political asylum and they can stay here in the United States. I've got, I've got hundreds, I've got 100, about 150 new Venezuelans in my church in Saltillo, Mexico. They're leaving everywhere. Caracas, Venezuela, you can look it up, right now is the most dangerous city in the world. The most dangerous city uh, in, in the world is not in the Middle East. It's Caracas, Venezuela. Crime, you cannot walk outside your house with anything on your body because you will be mugged. Alvaro and his wife and their family live in Barquisimeto, Venezuela. He pastors a church. He's got about 6,000 people in his church. And Alvaro has taken his flag and bah, planted it in his city and said, when everybody else is leaving, we're not leaving. We're going to give our lives. We're going to risk our lives. Even Alvaro's talking about risking his children's lives. And you may be sitting in this auditorium thinking, well, that's just irresponsible. Friends, we are the church. Where in the world did we come up with an idea that we live life for, uh, looking for safety? We are the church. If we don't do it, no one else will do it. And you look at that picture and a fine, beautiful family. The authorities call up Alvaro and they said they've got 15 people kidnapped and they're, they're going to blow their heads off. Can you do something? Alvaro walks into mass chaos on the streets, tanks on one side, people on the ground on the other side and walks in and negotiates with these guys. Why? Because we are the church. Because we're the church. If we don't do it, nobody will do it. If you don't do it, if I don't do it, nobody will do it. So why would a person set their personal aspirations aside to live for others, to help others, to bless others, because we are the church. We are the church. Second question.
Why should a person live a lifestyle beneath what they really could live just so they can give as much money as possible to fulfill God's commission on earth? Why? Because we're the church. Of course. Nobody else is going to do that. Nobody else is thinking, I could live at this level, but I'm not. I'm going to prefer to live on this level because then I can do more. I can either go or I can be a sender, but I can do more. If we don't do it, no one else is going to do it, my friend. Nobody's going to do it. Nobody else is thinking, how can I live on less? But to be on task means Jesus said, you know, there's, there's those that go and there's those that send and how can they hear unless somebody goes and how can they go unless somebody sends them? But the go and the sender, man, they're beautiful to me. We are the church. This is us. This is our time. I've got a friend of mine, his, his name is Jerry Anderson. Jerry is a business person, very, very wealthy business person. He owns part of a TV network. If I said what it was, you would immediately know, and, and it's just part of it. But Jerry could live like a king, like a king. Jerry lives in a place called Berlin, Ohio, amongst the, the Amish people. He's not Amish. I was at Jerry's place about two months ago. His wife's name is Jerry also, spelled a different way, Jerry and Jerry. That's an ice cream, isn't it? Oh, that's better. Okay. I live in Mexico. <laughs> I walked in their place and I thought, wow, Jerry, how long have you lived here? Oh, we've lived here for, for 30 years. That's a beautiful place. It was, just a, it was just a, really just a nice home. Just a nice home. But I've known Jerry for 20 some years. Jerry will go into a foreign country. You, you, you probably don't know a lot of history of, of, of Latin America, but with President Uribe, who was the, the Colombian president that finally, that finally ousted all the guerrillas in the, in the, the, the cartels from, from, from Colombia. Jerry was behind all that. Jerry sent in curriculum, values curriculum, and put hundreds of thousands of military people and police people through values based curriculum to help them understand true values. And he financed the whole thing himself. He could live like a king, but why? We're only here just a little while. So why would somebody that could live like a king, that could have it all, would decide to take a step back. And, and that doesn't mean we can't enjoy what God has given us. We should enjoy. It's biblical to enjoy, but it's biblical also to think, what can I do? How can I do more for the kingdom? Number three, third question. Why should a person leave the comfort and security of their own family, community, or country so they can develop a relationship outside of their world so they can share Christ. Why? Because we are the church. Nobody else is going to do it. Nobody else is thinking, hey, why don't we 
pick up stakes, move to another place because there's a lot of Christians in Granville, Michigan. There's a ton of Christians in, in, in Western Michigan. Why don't we go somewhere that, that, we can, that we can get into somebody else's world and that we can become friends and hopefully one day share Christ with them? Why? Because we are the church. Because we're the church. And that's what we've been tasked with. I'm going to put a picture of Carlos and they call, they, call her, they call her the Spaniard. I don't even know her name. She's from Spanish descendant, uh, descendant so they just call Carlos is the, is, is the guy in the green, a good-looking guy on the right-hand side of him. Carlos is in the green. His wife is, is, is that he's holding on to, his daughter. They're Cubans. Listen to Carlos's story. You might have heard, heard this story. I've, I've shared it a couple times. Carlos and his wife in 1994, I believe, Carl and I went to Cuba. I think it was Carlos' first time in Cuba. We were on the east side of the west, excuse me, we were on the west side of the island doing a camp for 300 young people. They had just gotten married and they were, they were, they were you know, they were in their 20s. And so we were doing this camp. Carla calls it the camp of the, of the 10 plagues because they had tarantulas, they had frogs, they had bats, they had snakes, they had anything you can think of, of of the plague, they had it. So we're in this place and we're praying for these kids and, and, and whatever. So Carlos and his wife, this was before they had kids, they decided, let's, let's do something for God. Let's, let, let's get on task. So this is what they did. And this might not go well with your theology, but this is what they did. They went home and, and the Spaniard, the, 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 she, she blindfolded Carlos. They put a map of Cuba on the kitchen table and she blindfolded her husband. And, and then she spun him around three times. And then she put him in front of the map and he had his eyes blindfolded. And then, where were we at? And then he put his finger on the map. He put his finger on a place called El Paso Quemado, or Los Palacios. And they said, that's where we're going. Let's pick up stakes and we're going to move there. So they found a, an elderly lady, because you can't just move in Cuba if you want to. They found an elderly lady that wanted to change because, of course, they lived in Havana. Havana is like the big city, you know. So they moved outside to this place called Los Palacios. For, when they first moved there, there was no running water. They had to go get water, dirt streets. and They showed up at this place. The first day they showed up, Carlos invited the neighbors to their house. Forty other neighbors came. They gave him a little, a, a little Kool-Aid-ness and that, and he shared. He said, we came to this town because we're Christians, and we know God, and we want you to know God. That night, 40 people received Christ as their Savior. The next night, those 40 people brought back another 40 people. The next night, those 40 people, so they had 80. Third day, by the third day, 120 people of a 300-person little town had received Christ as Lord and Savior because this, little, because this couple decided... Hey, okay, so I'm going to blow your mind a little bit, all you sophisticated Christians. Hey, let's blindfold ourselves. Let's spin around three times. Let's put our finger on a city and let's move there. <laughs> Why? Because we're sophisticated. We're like, no, we got to have a confirmation. Give me a word. Give me a prophecy and this and that. We're always waiting. Jesus didn't say wait. Jesus said go. Jesus didn't say stop. He said go. The Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So what are you and I going to do with that? 
Kind of, matter of fact, that picture right there, that was two months ago. I, we, we took in a bunch of money. We bought Carlos and, and, and his, his wife a car. They, he pastors 11 churches. I think it was 11 or 13. 11, I think, but we'll say 11 so, so I don't exaggerate. 11 churches, and he rides a bike to all of them. And the churches would be like, okay, there's a church in Kentwood, there's a church in Allendale, there's a church in, in Cascade, there's a church in Rockford, there's a church. And he rides his bike to pastor these churches. So, so we got some money together, took in some money and bought him a car. And some of that money, because you all support us, some of that money, you did. You bought somebody a car in Cuba. That's cool. So, so number three, why would a person leave the comfort and security of their own family, community, or country so they can develop a relationship outside of their own world so they can share Christ? Why? Because we're the church, and we ought to get proud to be that way. Number four, why would a group of people gather every Sunday, pray for the world, love people that are different than them, and send people as missionaries into, the, into a world of people that aren't even asking for them or that might want to kill them? Why? I heard about half of you this time. Because we are the church. That's why we do it. We bust into danger and we go to places that are not asking for us to go. Why? Because Jesus said, go in all the world, share the good news with everyone. And if that means risk, that means risk. Friends, I came this morning just kind of to, to break us out of a bubble. It's time. It's time for you. It's time for me. Our, what we do is all different. My part's not more important than your part. Your part's not, part's not my, more important than my part. But we are the church, and no one else is thinking about this. But we are. And I want you to think about this every single day of your life. My prayer is that God would seal that phrase on the inside of us and that every single day we'd wake up and from our spirit something would, 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 would speak to us and just tell us, because you are the church. That's why you're going to do what you're going to do, because you are the church. I had a friend of mine, his name's Gabriel. Gabriel, he's Argentinian. He lives in Portugal. And he goes and works and loves on the fulas that are in Guinea. Guinea is Western Africa, fourth poorest country in the world. Gabriel and his wife Laura, they're, they're, see, see the way he's making that kid smile right there? That's Gabriel. Gabriel is a hoot. And he loves it. And they're building schools for him. They're loving him. They're sharing Christ with him. Why would a person... Go and live amongst people that aren't even asking for them to come. And even amongst people that may even want to do them harm because, friends, because we are the church. Because we are the church. And Jesus one day, who had the ball, took the ball, placed it in our hands, and said, okay, guys, this is the task.
Are we more devoted to God than the things that God is interested in? Are we more devoted to God? Yeah, it's cool. I go to church and worship. God's fixing me and God's helping me. And God, that, that's, that's great, but that's, that's only one part of it, friends. That's only one part. If you're more devoted to God than you are devoted to the things that he's interested in, I just want to challenge you, friend. You're part of the church. I'm part of the church. Nobody else is thinking about what we should do with that ball that Jesus gave us. But he didn't call us to be on defense. He didn't call you to live on defense. He called you to live on offense. We are the church. And the task has been given to us. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads a second. I wanna do something real quick. But I believe with all my heart that, that there's some people in this auditorium today that maybe one, maybe two, maybe three, maybe all four of these questions sparks up on the inside of you and something's all of a sudden happening and you feel like, man, I am the church. I ha- something has to happen. So I want to do something today and listen real close. I am not going to do an altar call for salvation. This is not for salvation. I want to be real clear. I'm speaking to the church. If you are a Christ follower today, I'm talking to you. And if while I've been speaking about something real simple, God's heart for you, God's heart for you is to be on task. And if you're here today and you know that God's speaking to you, you may, have, you may be 16 years old or you may be 66 years old. Maybe the first time that you've ever been to this church, you may be a pastor at this church. But if God's speaking to your heart about being on task, and you know it, and maybe you've been off task, maybe you've been distracted by other things, but God's speaking to you, and you know it without a shadow of a doubt, that you need to be on task. Would be as if he's placing the ball in your hands right now again, saying, I want you to be on task for me. If that's you, I don't have a whole lot of time, but this is what we're going to do. I'm going to ask you to stand up and come forward. I'm going to say a quick prayer for everyone that comes forward. But I believe you need to respond. God's speaking to you, and you know he's calling you to be on task. You have not been on task, but it's time to be on task. If that's you, I'm going to have to ask you to stand up and you come forward. And I'm going to be here and we're going to pray together. If you're in the balcony, I'm going to wait. Come on down. There will be a lot of you. God, he, he wants you on task. So don't worry about that. You just come on down. This is not an altar call for salvation. This is for Christians that say, John, God's speaking to me. I need to be on task. Why? Because we are the church. We are the church. If we don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Come on up, come on up. I won't do anything to you. I might spit on you. (laughs) I'll say sorry already. (laughs) 
Because we are the church. We are the church. What an awesome task he's given us. We don't realize we got enough horsepower in us. We can change history. But we have God to get on task. God to live. About what life is really about. Wait, one more minute. One more minute. God's speaking to you. You need to respond. You need to respond. You need to say, that's it. No, he's not going to give you all the answers. It's like, okay, God, tell me exactly what to do. Well, one step at a time. You might have to do three spins and point at a map or something like that. I don't know. He might be calling you to, 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 to live that one step lower and, and, and be able to, to resource, whatever it is. We're going to take that first step and we're going to pray and say, God, okay, you spoke to me. I'm stepping out. Now let's do it together. Awesome. Anybody else? I want you to know I'm in this group. Okay, I'm up here because I'm leading this thing, but if not, I'd be down there because I want to do more. I want to see more. I want to be part of more. I need to be more on task. you're speaking to me I want to be on task from today forward Father I pray for every single person that's up here today Lord I ask that you would do something really special for me I ask that you would seal that phrase that just a simple phrase we are the church on the inside of every single person that's here up front this morning that every single day of their life their decisions would be guided by that phrase because we are the church because we are the church you'll give them an, give them an awesome life that phrase will lead them to an awesome incredible life to do incredible incredible things but god please seal on the inside of their hearts that phrase because we are the church lord i thank you for it thank you for it father thank you that now that they've taken their first step that phrase will lead and guide them we are the church and you'll open you'll open their mind up to see creative things creative with whatever it is you're leading them to do whether it's to go whether it's to send whatever it is to be part of we are the church and we want to live our lives for you father and i thank you for that thank you father Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's give.